Hey guys, welcome to today's episode. We're actually going to be talking with our special guest, Heather Chesky. She is actually a photography educator and she is going to share with us all about money as a Christian entrepreneur and how we can worship God through finances. Stay tuned. Hey guys, you're listening to the She's Wild and Radiant podcast, the show that brings you real business strategy, community, and encouraging and truth-filled biblical advice for running your business and navigating the world of entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Ashley June, six-figure online business owner, ex-photographer, MBA, and storytelling expert who helps women claim their stories, create epic launches, and scale their businesses while staying in courageous alignment with God's calling on their life. Join me for conversational chats, interviews, and practical business advice every episode. So stoked you're here. Okay, guys, so exciting day today. Uh, As mentioned, Heather Chesky is here with us. Heather Chesky is a photography educator and a good friend of mine. We actually met through the online education world because we were in a course together online and have quickly become very, very good friends. Now, today, Heather is going to share some details um, about this dream of hers that is starting to come to fruition, and um, yeah, I'm excited. So, hey, Heather. Hey, Ashley. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) We're actually recording this in my home office with a blow-up bed that she is (laughs) staying on right now, so super comfy. (laughs) It's super fun to do this together, though, because it's like in-person recording. She's my first guest on the podcast, guys. So Such an honor. <laughs> um, well, yeah, Heather, why don't you just tell us about yourself first before we go into your dreams and what's kind of happening in your business and these different, not pivots, but kind of like new segments that you're hoping to to put into action soon. Absolutely. Well, uh, to give you the cliff note version, um, I've been an entrepreneur for almost nine years now. It started when my steady day job made me leave. So I was basically laid off with no notice whatsoever. I had a baby at home. I had a photography was a passion of mine at the time. So I went on this journey to replace my income with my photography. Uh, As it turned out my first year in business, I not only replaced my income, I doubled it and it's continued to grow since then. Um, Many years later, I had a lot of other photographers reaching out to me for coaching, just wondering how I was able to make a living with a cre- in a creative field, which is hard for a lot of people. So I, th- I kind of thought everybody knew it, but um, there were some areas where I felt like because um, I was adamant about replacing my income, it allowed me to pers- pursue photography with a financial uh, goal in mind. And that allowed me to price myself differently, allowed me to market myself differently, and something that I found that other photographers who um, maybe weren't so clear on their financial goals, they weren't yet seeing the fruit of all their hard work. So I started coaching, and I'm loving that. Um, Before photography, I was a teacher, so it's kind of like I get to teach what I love now, which is amazing. And honestly, within this last year or so, I've been getting... um, very much into the whole money mindset, but not just um, just money mindset, but basically what the Bible and what God has to say about money and honoring Him through our financial endeavors. Yeah, yeah, it's quite the quite the journey when you're you know diving into the world of what does money mean as a believer, 
how does that translate? Because, you know, aren't we just supposed to go do missions in Africa? And give all the money away. <laughs> money evil. is evil. <laughs> money is so bad. So, so bad. Yes. Um, or having any money, keeping anything for yourself is greedy yes. or... Um, Selfish. Selfish or those people who have a big boat, those people are heathens, you know, like <laughs> whatever it is. Like I feel like all these mindsets have been ingrained in us um, and it's like this religious mindset of the church and I've also been kind of just diving in more so in the last couple of years um, and specifically when I started uh, to price myself higher for photography mm-hmm. too, when I was a photographer, like that really kind of started to get me on the money kick and kind of overcoming these stories. But then jumping into the online education realm has been even bigger for that, you know? Um, so, I mean, Heather and I both have journeys that are kind of similar, similar, like similar times to starting our businesses, <laughs> like similar start stories, um, similar passions, just kind of, you know, emerging with the online coaching world. Um and so I feel like, yeah, we've just been on such a, a similar path, which is so cool. Absolutely. <laughs> um, well, yeah, so why don't you tell us about this big dream of yours that has emerged within, gosh, like right after Christmas or right before Christmas. Like, yeah. tell us the background Absolutely. story, the dream. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, I've been really researching um, more about, you know, just money and what Jesus has to say about it. Like, was Jesus even rich? Did he have money? Was he poor? All of those things. And so 2020, I was really... Um, you know, diving into all of that in my, you know, in my personal time and really enjoying it. And I, you know, 2020 was a hard year for so many people. And I just felt like the Lord was telling me in my business to rest and to like not work, just to be at home. I started homeschooling my kids and I struggled with this for a while because I'm like, God, I should be working. Like there's things I got to be doing. I got to, you know, hit these goals and, you know, can't slow down, you know, got to hustle and grind. And so I felt like 2020 was a year where I just learned how to Um, release control in my business and really focus on, you know, align myself with God's word and really hearing from him and then doing what he says moment by moment, day by day. And it was a, it was a a challenge, but I was, you know, imperfectly walking my way Mm -hmm. in that. And so I, 2020, in all honesty, it was a huge rest year for me. I took a lot of time off. Uh, Thankfully with this whole online space, I had a lot of funnels already set up, ready to go, doing, been doing ads. So like things were still coming in and it wasn't until Christmas week of 2020, I actually decided to take like some, a large chunk of time off and just be with my family. Which, you know, as any entrepreneur knows, that's hard to do to separate (laughs) the actual work from, you know, the lines blur. A mistake I make every year. I'm like, I'm not going to do anything in December. And then December rolls around and like, oh, I got to do this. Yeah. I got to do this. (laughs) Yeah. And so I remember um, it was that week of Christmas and I had things set up and I was just really mindful about like not working, not checking my email, not posting online, not, not doing the day to day things that we feel like we have to do in our business. And again, like this was something I felt like God was really just impression impressing upon me to rest and just really spend time with my family and treasure these moments with my kids and um after christmas i, I log in to you know my online you know, payment processor and just kind of check things and just to see, oh, how did things go like the week after or the week of Christmas? And I saw this number and my first thought was like, oh God, this is way too much. Take it all back because it was a <laughs> lot more than what I was used to seeing. And I just, I don't know if anybody else has ever experienced this, but it was one of those things where I felt like God just spoke to me in that moment. And she's like, you know, you know, it's God, even though like I can't point to a scripture that says this, but I just felt like God was saying like, no, you've been faithful in the little things. Like I'm 
going to entrust so much more to you. So just keep honoring me and these little things and I'm going to give you more. Um, and then I just, you know, had some prayer time with God because I was just like, why is my first reaction to run away from money when I have a lot of it? Yeah. And I think that's something that a lot of people can relate to. And in that same, you know, conversation I was having with God, I just felt like him saying, Heather, like, I really want you to dive into this more and really honestly just write a book and call it Rich Christian. I'm like, God, like, that's so (laughs) offending. Like, why would I write that? Like, so many Christians would be so offended by that because we all have these negative mindsets and lies when it comes to money. And I was like, God, people are going to like, can you imagine the kind of hate I would get on ads about that? Like, it would be (laughs) up the wazoo. And he's like, I know, but like, we need to offend people in order to bring healing. And so really the last, you know, three, four months, I've been just, you know, studying God's word more about money, just really um, trying to my best to to honor this new dream that God has given me and really try to figure out, okay, like, what does Jesus actually say about money? Yeah. What and, and like, what I'm finding is like, there's so much. So like, as believers, we actually need to address this issue in our relationship with money, because there's so much in the Bible about it. And what I have been discovering is like, so much of what's in the Bible is contrary to what I grew up believing, yeah. which is interesting. Well, I think that like this year is just the year that we are breaking so many religious mindsets about things. And we're kind of like, I don't know, like recalibrating. We're seeing, okay, so I was taught this in the church, you know, and, but the church is like so watered down, so lukewarm, so middle of the road, like on everything. And the church likes to kind of cherry pick things that we've actually, I personally feel like American Christianity, like people talk about this American Christianity, you know, um, and they like to say American Christianity doesn't like this hippie, um, doesn't like this hippie Jesus, you know, cause all the non-American Christianity is actually full of social justice warriors and all of this. Uh, but I'm like, no, American Christianity is like forgetting half of the gospel here. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like Jesus is a God of truth. Jesus is a God of love. Uh, but you know, it's a mix of, uh, prosperity and a mix of suffering. Like we can't, we can't sort of have like one without the other. Um, and I think what the church did is they started to say like, man, all, all prosperity is Is bad and evil because you should just fully suffer all the time like Jesus did. But then they kind of forget the other half that like there is prosperity, you know? And I also hate it when people are like, oh, they just only preach the prosperity gospel because it's like, no, like (laughs) you guys Mm -hmm. are so much bigger than that, you know? Like there is prosperity. There is also suffering, but there is also prosperity. And just because somebody tends to kind of, um, maybe focus on the prosperity a little bit more. Like that's where maybe where they feel like God has given them the calling to kind of speak on that stuff. It doesn't mean that they negate the suffering. Exactly. <laughs> so anyway, sorry, yes. rant. <laughs> yeah. And the, what I'm learning too is like, you know, there's, there's one gospel and it includes prosperity and it includes mm-hmm. health. It includes, you know, peace of mind and joy. Um, of course, like, you know, in this world, we will have persecutions. Jesus walked through that. The disciples walked through that, but they had this unmistakable joy even through all of that. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like you count your suffering as joy. Exactly. And so it's, um, I feel like it's comforting to know, like even with times feeling really uncertain right now, it just kind of makes me think like, even if we get 
persecuted hardcore as the church in America, which we're kind of an anomaly right now. Like, I mean, Christians all around the globe are being beheaded and murdered and tortured and raped. And, you know, I mean, in China, like there's Christians who are like being raped, you know, because of their faith. Yeah. And so it's like in America, like we are lucky, which is, you know, I speak on freedom a lot and stuff. Um, We are so lucky to have the freedom to practice our religion um, in this place. And we just got to look at the whole picture, though. Right. You know? Right. Absolutely. Perfect. Okay, so talking more about the heart for this book that is coming out, like what... I mean, what is your heart for money, for money regarding Christians? Um, I mean, just, you kind of told us where, where it came from, but what's like your intention behind it? Like what, what do you want to transform here? Right. Um, that's a great question. And I'm still working my way through this. So this is a very unpolished version. Um, but the, as I'm studying, I'm just realizing that, you know, riches and prosperity, it has a purpose and it's not just for us. Um, you know, I hear so often for people say things like, oh, I just want enough money for myself and my family. And when I really look into the gospels and like, I feel like when you, if you just want enough just for you and your family, then I'm going to offend somebody, but then you're like really selfish because Jesus didn't care just about his family. He cared about the world. He cared about the lost. He cared about the sick and, you know, the the widows. And it takes money to take care of those people. It takes money to Mm -hmm. expand the kingdom of God. It takes money to, um, you know, like what we're saying to, um, you know, the believers in different parts of the country to help them, to send them Bibles, to, you know, build schools, to rescue girls from the sex trafficking trade. It takes money to do that. So your, your prosperity is not just for you it has a purpose and so I think one of the biggest lies that Christians and I'm going to lump myself into this and I'm working this out too is just the feeling like oh I don't want any more because you know I just need just enough to get by just enough to pay my bills and maybe a vacation or, or whatnot and then anything like extra is you know being selfish when in fact wanting just enough for you is selfish because you're ignoring the heart of a father well, and, and the need of other people it's exactly like, even though like if you're a missionary in Africa and you're like okay I just need money to fund my missions trips what about the people who are funding the trips like they have to like you know have that surplus in order to fund the trip for you so exactly like- <laughs> exactly so I really think you know when we look at this word like just even saying the word rich or prosperity has so many negative connotations with it so I think it's important to define like what I mean here and what I think actually the the bible means here is like you know rich is not necessarily a number it's not necessarily having a million dollars in the bank or you know a, a million home, a yacht, and the whole nine yards. It's not a number. I think it's basically the ability to do what God calls you to do. And then also to have extra to fund other people's calling um, in, in the way that God has called them to help serve, you know, you know, feeding kids who might not have like any parents, orphans and widows and taking care of those, those kind of situations. Totally. Well, and even, you know, it's like, the the church's responsibility is to take care of the widows and the orphans you know like like that is pretty much mandated for the church 
But in our world, we've seen that the government has tried to take that role Why we're kicking the church out. And like, you know, we kind of wonder, like, why is our world in chaos? But it kind of goes down to the root of that. Like, maybe maybe part of it all goes together. Like, Christians were like, man, I shouldn't have that much money. But then they started being less generous. So the state started to take over and these mindsets started to take over. Right. And less was being... Um, Less was being out there for the widows and the orphans because the church was not claiming territory over right. it to be a good steward. The bottom line is that money can make an impact. Of course, it can make a negative impact and also a positive impact, but like you need money in order to fulfill the gospel, to fulfill the Great Commission. Without money, it can't happen. Of course, you could pray for somebody, you can give them a hug, you can give them a smile, but like, you know, you can't necessarily buy somebody a meal if you're having trouble trouble buying your your own family groceries. Yeah. Like how are you going to send money to a missionary overseas if you don't can't even afford to put, you know, gas in the car? You're mm-hmm. not gonna do it. Yeah. Well, and at the end of the day, I mean, like, money, currency is pretty much just like a transfer of value. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you have something of value that I am exchanging in order for something of value to come back. And so it's, I I just, it makes me think how like we say, we stay so stuck on these definitions of things sometimes. And we let like our internal bias, like take over and form these opinions about certain phrases Mm -hmm. that we become apathetic. And we let these certain phrases, phrases kind of dictate and um, put not like a, maybe callousness is like not the right word, but put like a, um, I don't know, what's what's the word? Oh, like a suspicion or something. You right. know what I mean? Ulterior motive. Ulterior motive, yeah. And it's like, no, it's, if you actually break it down, it's like our own mindsets on this type of stuff kind of manipulate the heart, the truth, and the core right. behind how these things can be used for good. Exactly. And I feel like for money specifically, so much of what we learn about money, we learn from our parents and mm-hmm. how they handled money. And I, I have awesome parents but like they weren't the greatest with money I mean and I've learned some negative things from them I also learned some positive things but like we're not perfect in every area of life we can pass down the not so great qualities and so a lot of us have a lot of baggage when it comes to money because we weren't taught how to handle it yeah properly a hundred percent um yeah it reminds me like um my husband and I, we definitely have, he's like more of the saver, but I'm also kind of a saver. So it's kind of funny because it's like, <laughs> he's like an intense saver. He has this one story where when he was little, he wouldn't go into the Holiday Inn buffet with his family because he's like one of four boys. He wouldn't go into the Holiday Inn buffet with his family because it was too expensive. So he like put this little stand, you know, and I don't know how old he was. Maybe he was like 10 or something. And um, that's so funny. <laughs> he's such a saver, but it's funny how like you just you just bring things in from your family in like different ways. And I grew up with parents that didn't have a lot of money because I was um, they had me really young, and so I remember what it was like to have no money and then to go to going into having more money and right the transition. All of it. But you start to see it in your business too. It's like, I have to do everything myself. You know what I Mm -hmm. mean? And both Heather and I are working through, you know, hiring more people and outsourcing more things. And it is making more investments. Oh my gosh. (laughs) And committing to more financial, um, financial like expenses essentially, because we want to hire on and keep growing the calling that God has put on our, our, our hearts. Yeah. No, it's totally, um, it's it's hard to continue to move forward if you don't have the resources to do that. And sometimes you have to buy your time back, too. Exactly. You know, time is a resource as well. And, um, yeah. And, yeah, and you can get more time when you can afford to hire somebody else out to do things that you mm-hmm. honestly just 
you don't want to do. Like we have a house cleaner and I love my house cleaner. Like he's amazing. He runs a godly, really amazing Christian um, cleaning business. And I love being able to support that. And he saves me hours every week because I don't have to go through and do it. And I can spend that time um, pursuing the things that I know God put on my heart because cleaning, you know, the toilets and vacuuming is not one of them. Yeah. Well, you just, I mean, you get to a point where your time is just so restricted. And then on the other hand, it's like by, um, by having someone that you can hire to do these things, like you're also providing a job and providing income for their families and continuing to bless that. And then, you know, and it's, it's vice versa. Like, I mean, it's, it doesn't even matter what the job is or what the role is. You know, I mean, it's not about, you know, being so high and mighty that you can't do X, Y, Z and you're going to hire someone. It's more like it's the time, the value exchange, being able to continue to bless people in all different stages and allowing that blessing to kind of like come back on you too. Exactly. And like accept it, like accept the help, which all Jesus is all about. Accept my help. You know what I mean? So it's like, it is not bad for us either to accept help. So the proverb 31 woman actually saves her money and she invests in a field and then she also works her land. She also has maid servants that she's responsible for taking care of and those maid servants maid servants help her with, you know, the day-to-day task of running a household and taking care of her kids. Yeah. Totally. Well, and the cool thing too, it's like what I love about the Bible is like you have a lot of literal things that happen. So like I look at the Proverbs 31 woman and I'm like, okay, this is like a literal example. But then, you know, God also has his like his (laughs) under the radar works, like interpretations, um, you know, of of, uh, the commentary, you know, of how we decipher what the Bible is saying. And riches is not only financial, but it's also spiritual riches. And so that that Proverbs 31 woman, it's like she's also investing in spiritual riches you know what I mean and so it's so interesting just looking at the whole the whole picture of that on a literal and on a spiritual level Level. right um so what like do you have a personal story um about just kind of or a quick personal story of how you feel like in your own life you started to make this money mindset shift um or something that has, it could be actually, it could be a story for you or it could be a story of a client of where you feel like this money mindset shift just really made it like a difference in, in the next steps of, you know, the transformation. <laughs> right. Um, well, I think honestly, I mean, I'll, I'll go ahead and re share this story and I've shared it before with my students. Um, but as I mentioned earlier, money um, is something that we learn from our parents. And looking back, like honestly, there's something called the law of first mention. So the first time something happens also in the Bible and in our lives, like it's like one of the most important events and like it shapes our our view of whatever that thing is. And so if you look at it and like ask yourself, okay, what is my first remembrance of, of money? And when I asked myself, I did this work, you know, many years ago, one of my coaches actually made me do it. And it was actually in a season in my business where I needed to charge more and I didn't feel comfortable charging more. <laughs> And so my coach actually made me do the the work and figuring out, okay, well, why do I feel like I'm not worth more? And a lot of that is based on, you know, those, those, what happens in our childhood. And so I really sat with this for a while and really figured out, okay, like what was my first, you know, instance of money that I remember? And um, when I, what I came up with was basically my first, the first time I remember money or seeing money or thinking about money was actually seeing um, a check on the dining room table. And 
it, it was a check for $1, which is not a lot of money. And my parents were divorced when I was very little. And my father was responsible for paying for child support for myself and my two brothers. We grew up in the D.C. area, so it's not the, the you know, lowest cost of living area. And so that check, that $1 check, represented the child support that he was giving my mom at the time. And I remember looking at that $1 check and being like, what in the world? Like my own dad, like I think I was a preteen and I knew that $1 was not enough to take care of three kids in, you know, the DC area. And my first thought, my first interpretation of that, if my own dad doesn't see me as worthy or value or even wants to take care of me, then why would God, why, like, I don't feel worth it. Why would I, why would anybody pay my prices for photography or for anything else that I do? Because because my own father didn't do it. So that kind of, you know, it took me like, this is many decades in the process, but like that was like the underlying theme of, of me feeling like not good enough because I had this, this, um, this early interpretation that, hey, if my dad can't provide for me, then, then God sure as hell won't. And, you know, I'm just not worth it. Oh, totally. Well, I think it just goes to show like the power of these things that happen in our childhood and our youth, how they shape our mindsets on different things. Um, And especially, I mean, as Christians, I just think we are always struggling with value issues, you know, on this world. I mean, on this world in general, but like until we know who our true identity is in Christ and that he loves us and we understand like this, um, this beautiful design he has for us, you know, creating him in his own image. Right. It's like, we're going to take these stories into things that we do in the world. And, um, they typically kind of hit a point where you just can't really live like that anymore. You know, it's like something has to change to kind of get to that next level. Something has to give. You have to let go of something in order to get the greater thing. Yeah. Like close a door, you know? Um, and I mean, like I know for myself right now, so I'm like expanding my team and like all of that. And I feel like I'm just being challenged to build my leadership stills like crazy. And it's like, it's, it's so uncomfortable But it's like we have to go through these uncomfortable mindset shifts in order to get to that next spot. And it's not for us. I mean, it's like God calls us to these spots and we are called to be uncomfortable. Like if you're too comfortable, like I'm sorry, like you are not living out like the purpose that God has for you. Exactly. Um, Now I appreciate seasons of comfort, you know, so don't, don't get me wrong. Like I like Netflix. Actually, I don't have Netflix anymore. Um, I (laughs) was not about the cuties movie. Uh, (laughs) I remember. Still on my, still taking my stand. Um, But so I like to, I don't know. Hallmark channel and chill. (laughs) Um, But yeah. (laughs) So um, as far as your plans for this book coming out, I mean, what, what is your potential timeline or like what, what are you hoping to like <laughs> oh my goodness what's my timeline oh man it's a big commitment right now it you're, is you're saying it on the on it the is podcast. my I know I am saying it out in, in the in public my goodness now I have to like hold myself to it so declared. I, I honestly I feel very I feel an urgency on this. So I am going to commit more of my time. I just finished up some rather big things in my business. And so I feel like I do have some space to, um, to dive into it and, and think, thank goodness my, um, my, my kids homeschooling finishes up next week. So then I can actually really devote more time to it. Um, so my goal is actually to have something done, you know, later this year, 
later this year. <laughs> I don't know if I can give any more uh, precise than that. But, you know, I'm really excited about it. I mean, I have, you know, chapters that I want to talk about and, you know, scripture. Like, I want this to be saturated with scripture and obviously want it to be mm-hmm. theologically sound because um, this is a very touchy subject for a lot yeah. of people. And, you know, even as I'm going through this, it's it's making me do even more in, internal work because I, I'm definitely, I haven't arrived um, at this place where I feel like I know it all when it comes to money. I'm so not there, but I'm on this journey and I want to keep learning. Yeah. Well, it's a process for sure. Like, I mean, I don't think anybody ever arrives and they're totally for, you know, like they totally get it. And, you know, we're always learning. Um, I think we also kind of ebb and flow. It's like sometimes when you start to make more money, you know, like certain things change, not for the better, you know, like mindset stuff change. And then you have to be like, no, God, like recalibrate me back to your vision, you know? And I think just as the, as believers, it's like, we know that we live in a fallen world. Like there are ups and downs. Um, but I think God is just like really looking for people to, to steward his vision, you know, at the end of the day. And I, I think about it in like a literal black and white way of like, why would God want to put like money that can be used for his resources to build his kingdom in the hands of like evil people? Exactly. To be honest, exactly. I don't get it. You know. Right. All the money that's circulating, circulating on like the black market or like in the sex tra- trafficking trade or <gasps> guns, like all of that, um, like all of that, like okay, I feel like money has a purpose. There's a scripture, and forgive me, I think it's somewhere in Colossians, but it says, you know, everything was created by God and for God, and like when you when you look at the word everything, like if literally means everything, like like all things, including currency. And so we have to look at this, like, are you honoring God with the money that you have? And are you stewarding it well in a way that would honor him, honor the your loved one and honor like the, the greater calling that we all have on our, on our lives to, you know, um, to share the gospel with the lost and to, you know, share that kingdom message. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, we have a, just a bigger, a bigger calling to it, you know? And, um, I don't know. I think, I think we also go through these times in history where there's a lot of resets kind of, you know, like I feel like right now, and this is just my personal thing of like what I think is kind of corporately happening in the church is I think we are going through a reset, a cleansing, um, a cleansing, <laughs> a purification, exactly, separating wheat from the chaff, like all of it. Um, but I also see like, a lot of like leadership strongholds being struck down, right. you know, like the, the, the evil leaders struck down exposure, you know, right. um, all of it. And so I think that we are going to see some interesting times coming up and I don't know, you know, I don't know what this is going to look like. I don't know if our world is just going to turn around and like everything is going to be like really great. And we're going to like walk into this like season of a lot of prosperity and abundance, or if God is just going to separate his church and just continue to take care of them in that way while while the world goes through trials, right. you know? But he promises to take care of us. So regardless. Regardless. Yeah. Um, <laughs> or, I mean, that could be like a giant mansion in heaven. I don't know. <laughs> no, <laughs> j- just kidding. Not, we're not going to go there. Theologically speaking, I don't want to confuse anyone because <laughs> we know that there's all these different ideas. Um, but anyway, any... Um, any last thoughts before we close out the podcast today, Heather? Yeah, um, I would I would say that 
really whenever we're being challenged with something new and I and I know this whole money concept is new for a lot of people and it's really uncomfortable comfortable to talk about and to like get clear okay like how you feel about money and why but I think it's really important to actually look at the life of Jesus and everything yeah. that we experience like wait okay like what did Jesus think about that how did Jesus handle that and that's going to be a huge part of like what I share in the book and it's just really incredible to see how Jesus had had financial wealth literally in this world and also spiritually um he he worked he did like he worked out of an abundance and you know if I could take a few minutes and share a few instances yeah from scripture scripture I would love to do that because this really also started to shift my mindset around it is like you know if you think about Jesus and just how God provides where he calls you to do. So Jesus had a mission here on earth. And so he was born, obviously, to Mary and Joseph, who weren't rolling in dough, okay? They were poor. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, he, he when he was born in a stable, like, that's not like the Ritz-Carlton. So it wasn't like the greatest beginnings. But then we have these magi come and, and visit him. And when you actually look at um, magi, I know, like, we're... we're like when you look at all the movies, it says three magi, but like biblically speaking, it could have been many, many more. And we think of like when we see movies and pictures, it's like, oh, they had these three small chests of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But when you actually, again, look at it from a scriptural standpoint, it was many, many chests. Um, a lot of commentaries believe that it was, you know, multiple millions of dollars wow. when you equate it to today's age. And it's just so incredible when you think about this because, you know, Jesus had a purpose, he had a mission, and God provided for that when he was, like, before it ever came to be. You know, yeah. you know when he was about two years old, uh, obviously Joseph had a dream, and, you know, he was supposed to flee and, and go to Egypt. And so he went to a different country, and who knows if Joseph and Mary knew anybody there, but he had the financial resources to take his family to a, mm. a new country. Who knows if he knew the language? Who knows if he had a job there? But he had some sort of financial resources to take care of his family, have other children, and make that track back and forth. And so, and then he started a business. Like, Joseph was a carpenter, and he was known in in his, his town for that. And so we have these bits and pieces of like, okay, from a, from a, a literal standpoint, there was money, there was enough to take care of the family. And then also like when Jesus actually started his, his earthly ministry, he had 12 disciples. A lot of commentaries believe that, you know, they were, you know, older teenage years, maybe young twenties. And when you have people that you're discipling back then, you are also responsible for taking care of them, for feeding them, for clothing them. And so you have to have money in order to feed 12 young men, disciples. I have two little boys at home, six and nine. They eat everything out of the house, much less, you know, 12 disciples who, you know, were, you know, teenagers, you know, we're guessing here. Um, they were teenagers. And then when you also think about it, Jesus had a money manager. He had Judas in charge of his money. And he knew that Ju- Judas was, you know, skimping money from the top. Um, and so and none of the other disciples knew what he was doing. Um, and so you have to have a lot of money in order to like, hey, like who puts a thief in charge of money? Yeah. Like he had enough to go around. And then also when you think about it, like you wouldn't need a money manager if you only had 10 bucks. Like yeah. If you see five bucks gone, then like you're going to know, oh, somebody's stealing from me. But if you have a, an abundance and none of the other disciples knew that Judas was, you know, skimping money from his from himself, that means there was an abundance of it and they couldn't keep track of it. Yeah. 
So there's all these points in, in Jesus's life, you know, even just when he was hanging on the cross, like the soldiers, you know, fought for his, they divided up his, his clothes. That's because it was valuable. They, why would you want something that was just rags and, you know, you would just toss it if it, if it wasn't worth anything. They wanted to keep it. Yeah. Not because they believed he was the Messiah, but because the clothes were actually valuable. Huh. Well, I haven't, I haven't heard like many of those things before. So that's cool to like hear that different perspective, you know? Um, and I never really thought about like the disciples in terms of, I mean, it was like an apprenticeship basically, like right. an apprenticeship for Jesus, you know? And, um, gosh, I mean, just thinking about, uh, the type of resources that that would take, it would definitely be a lot. But I, one of the things that's been hitting me hard lately is that, um, I really don't know if God like designed us to go, um, I don't, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to say that I 100% believe this, but one of the things that has been a little bit convicting lately is that I kind of wonder if God, like, designed us to run our own businesses and, like, create our own things in that way instead of just, like, working for somebody else forever or, like, the the lifelong education route, Mm -hmm. you know, um, because God wants us to create and he wants us to create bigger things you know, for other people. And that doesn't mean we don't have seasons of apprenticeship, like where we're learning in these, but what if like the ultimate goal is for all of us to really, really create something versus just constantly consume. You know, I feel like when we go the lifelong education route, that's just like constant consumption. And, um, I mean, obviously some good things can come out of that. So I'm not bashing that by any means. Um, but if we're working for somebody else for our whole life and we're just building someone else's dreams, like, are we really following our call to create in the image of our creator, right. you know? And so I don't right. want to, yeah. Well, I think that's an important and interesting point because like, if you look at like the very first commandment ever in the Bible, I don't even know if commandment is the right word, but like, you know, God told Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply. That was the yeah. first thing he told them to do. Uh, later in, you know, the new Testament, it talks about, you know, somebody who doesn't provide for their family is worse than an unbeliever. So like, why would God tell Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply if he wasn't going to give them the resources to actually take care of all that multiplication. And I think, you know, this whole, like the theme throughout the entire Bible is just multiplication and things growing. You know, we have John 15 that talks about, you know, I am the the vine and, you know, you are the branch and like he who remains in me, he's going to bear much fruit. And it's so interesting. And I was telling you earlier this today, like that word fruit, also another, um, another, what do you call it? Another um, definition of that is actually profit. So it's just like, you know, I want you to, to, you know, bear much profit. Mm -hmm. And if you just think of like when Jesus spoke in all these parables, he used the analogy of a seed and, you know, something so small and so tiny, but has this massive multiplication effect. Like there, you cannot tell how many apples are in a single seed. You might have one seed, but like there's hundreds of thousands of apples because if it grows an apple tree it's going to have hundreds of apples every single year and all of those apples are each going to have you know five eight twelve seeds inside and each one of those seeds can you know plant a new apple tree so it's like god set up this whole natural realm to be a multiplication effect and so it's it's, i feel like you know money is just another aspect of it but you know again obviously to keep it in total alignment we do not want to chase money for money's sake god is god is our source money is a resource yeah so i think that is super important to to stay in that alignment and like when we kind of get that out of whack then it can cause a lot of heartache and a lot of trouble yeah no i love that um i love the thought of like i just 
something that is also on, has been on my heart a ton this last year is like, God is such a God of order, you know, Mm -hmm. which we also know, like when the world is not like when we're in chaos and everything, like we're not in order, like we're not going in the right direction if we're following disorder, you know? Um, but when it comes down to that, it's like, even like the concept of like reproduction and the concept of like multiplying our families for generations to come, you know, like your family, like your, your family is like, if that's fruit that exactly. is being, that is being born exactly there's you this know? verse in proverbs that says um a righteous man provides um an a financial inheritance to his children's children mm-hmm. so it's like not just providing an inheritance and then like it says like a financial i forget the actual verbiage but it was like an actual inheritance money wise um but to his children's children and that mm-hmm. talks about generational wealth i um, mean so i think it's just so cool to think in ways okay like god like in order to follow your word like that's a part of it like we yeah. have to deal with the money issue And I think, you know, Jesus, even himself, um, Jesus spoke more about money than he did about salvation, more about money than he did about forgiveness or healing. Like money was talked on so much. And I think it's so interesting because money can be such a stumbling block for so many people. And like, that's why he addressed it so much in the gospels. Yeah. Well, I think it just goes back to when we were referring to the Proverbs 31 woman. It's so funny how the Bible, like, we have all these literal examples, and then we have all of these spiritual examples, like the underlying spiritual tone, like the underlying, you know, conviction and metaphor behind these physical examples. And money, it's a physical example, but for a spiritual thing. It's helping us understand, you know, the spiritual purpose of things. Exactly. Your um, money can be used to save a soul, to like, I mean, basically to feed, to, I mean, to do the Great Commission. Mm-hmm. Like, money is a powerful tool yeah. that we can be using for such great good. Yeah. I mean, like, if we're going to go, if we're going to go, you know, visit all these, the ends of the earth, you know, we money has to pay for the airplane jet fuel or like <laughs> money right. has to pay for the boat. You know, I don't think I can paddle all the way across the right. ocean to go right. save all these souls. And I think it's also important too, because it like, who's going to listen to you? Like if you, let's just, let's say, um, for example, you see a homeless man. I, I'm sure like we, we all have seen that from time to time. If you see a homeless man, why would he ever want to listen to you share about Jesus, Jesus, if you're not first taking care of his physical needs and there needs to be money to take care of his physical needs, to buy him a meal, to, you know, buy him a new coat or whatever it is. There needs to be some sort of financial investment into that. And that, builds that trust so then he will be more open to hearing about the spiritual things yeah a hundred percent yeah it's I feel like we could just go on and on forever about this it's just such an interesting topic and um and we all take our life experiences and like our understanding of uh the gospel and scripture and you know I mean like the bible it's like it's an onion you know like the word of god is an onion you have your first layer and then it's layer after layer after layer and it's like never ending um and so I love I love chatting about this stuff um but I guess as we close out Heather so uh where where can people get more information on this down the road or yeah absolutely I will have a wait list if you're interested in in getting that book I again I can't promise when it will be ready but if you want to get on the wait list you can go to richchristianbook.com perfect no that's wonderful Okay, guys. Well, thank you so much for joining us here today. I also have a special challenge coming up very soon for my Christian women entrepreneurs who are really wanting to use their businesses to change the culture. Um, Go to the link in the show notes for details on all of these things mentioned today, and we will see you later. Bye. 
Wow, guys, what an awesome episode today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you have a moment, I would really appreciate it if you could leave a review. Since we're in the early days of our podcast, it doesn't hurt to ask, right? (laughs) Also, I want to extend an invitation to my free community. It is off of Facebook. We don't need any more Facebook distraction. We don't need any more random stuff that we're looking at. This free community is going to be full of exclusive resources and exclusive access to things that nobody will have access to. In there, you're going to find special videos. You are going to find access to uh, monthly coffee chats where we're going to get on Zoom together as the, the girls we are and chat about business, chat about God, chat about the topic of the month. Um, and there's just going to be a couple other resources in there that I think you are not going to want to miss out on. So I invite you to come into that community. You can go to the link in the show notes in order to do this. Also, I have one-to-one beta coaching open. You can apply in the link to the show notes. This program is for online or creative business owners who are really looking to claim their stories, create epic launches in their business, and scale. You guys, we could all do this, and I want to walk you through an intensive six-month process where I get to be your personal cheerleader, your personal accountability partner, and I'm going to help you take your business from where it is currently to epic levels, okay? So go ahead, go to the application to apply. It's on a very limited basis. I'm not going to be taking many clients at a time um, because I have some other plans coming up, but this program is perfect for you and probably the most access you will ever get to me one-to-one. So go ahead and apply. Anyway, guys, have a great day and I will see you next week.